wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio from May 24th, 2018. I am Graham Gius and Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And similar to last week, this might be another episode where I say we won't go the full hour, but we go the full hour anyway. Just because looking at the lineup right here in front of me and talking about Raw, SmackDown, and 205 Live, there really is not a ton to talk about. I mean, the current product is, you know, hit or miss. I thought SmackDown was really enjoyable on Tuesday. 205 Live was solid as well. Raw did not do a ton for me. Quite honestly, I thought it was one of the weakest Raws all year. But we'll talk about it momentarily. I'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly. And trust me, there was a lot of ugly for Monday Night's Raw. Uh, We will get into that momentarily, as well as my two cents on SmackDown Live potentially moving to Fox in 2019. How much money is WWE making from the deal? How will it affect the blue brand? What night will the show be airing on? Will it be airing live anymore? Will SmackDown Live be going back to SmackDown? I guess we'll find out come 2019, but I will be talking all about that momentarily. But before we get started here on today's show, of course, you guys can follow me on the on the socials, starting on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook as well at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. Don't forget to subscribe to me on YouTube as well at GrahamGSMMatthews at YouTube.com backslash C backslash GrahamGSMMatthews. And of course, WrestleRant Radio, all new episodes every single Thursday. Not only on NextDayWrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Simply search up on the Apple Podcast app, WrestleRant Radio, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You not only get every new episode on Thursdays, but all the archived episodes dating back to October of 2013. So it's a steal of a deal, completely free, of course. You can check out all the golden episodes from WrestleRant Radio's past, and of course, all the current content as well. So... With that being said, let's get started here, folks. Um, but uh, Before we get started, I will say this one thing. In addition to attending Money in the Bank next month, which I mentioned here on last week's show, in Chicago, I'm going to Money in the Bank. I'm going to take over Chicago. It's going to be an amazing weekend in the second city. should be awesome. I'm also attending a Ring of Honor TV taping next week uh, on my birthday next Saturday, June 2nd. So that should be a lot of fun. I will be talking more about that in two weeks here on the show. What I experienced, what I saw, completely full of spoilers, of course. I'm not sure when they're taping until, I would assume until the best in the world pay-per-view later next month. Uh, But I will be talking about that in my time in the Big Apple at the Manhattan Center. Should be a great time. But again, we will be talking about that in two weeks. Today we're talking about all things WWE from Raw to SmackDown to 205 Live. Speaking of SmackDown Live, before we talk about this week's show, it is important to bring it up that SmackDown Live might be moving to Fox in 2019. Now, they're currently under contract to USA Network. Apparently, USA is holding on to Raw, paying three times as much money as they were before for their last negotiations, which were back in 2014. I remember at that time, Vince was attempting to double the revenue for Raw by like five times by shopping around, by shopping around to different networks, of course. They stayed put on USA. They might have made... A bit more money, but they were disappointed with things how turned with how things turned out. And I have a soft spot for USA Network. I'm glad they're staying put on USA. But SmackDown is very likely moving. So uh, SmackDown got the boot from USA. And again, this is not until 2019, but negotiations begin now. Um, so SmackDown very likely getting the boot to Fox. Now I'm not sure if Fox is under the NBCU umbrella, uh, the NBCU uh, NBCU Universal umbrella, whatever. I'm not exactly sure, but even if they aren't, it does make me worry for the future of the brand split, because remember, when SmackDown was on, like, cable TV or network TV, whatever the hell it was, uh, like about a decade ago, with the CW and my Network 9, the show would get preempted almost constantly. 
I could not tell you how many times I sat down on a Friday night to watch SmackDown, or after the fact, on a Saturday to watch SmackDown, and I would record SmackDown, but in the block instead, it's like fucking baseball from a game that went overtime, and that really pissed me off. I'm not sure if we would have that same issue with, um, with, with Fox. I would hope not. But SmackDown has become a lot more relevant in the last two years since it went live for the first time in 2016 on a regular basis. Um, I like the current format with Raw on Mondays, SmackDown on Tuesdays. Yes, it is a lot to digest after a three, four, five-hour pay-per-view on Sundays, a three-hour Raw on Mondays, and then a two-hour SmackDown on Tuesdays. It's a lot, but personally, I like getting the wrestling over with. The wrestling week, with WWE anyway, over with by Tuesday, Wednesday, if you include NXT. So if it goes back to Thursdays, or even Fridays, which had been rumored in the report this past week, that's not the biggest, you know, I don't have the biggest issue with that, as long as it remains live. Now, WWE would have to change around their taping schedule, and not their taping, oh, their taping schedule, but as well as their road schedule. That would have to change as well, and I'm not sure if they're willing to accommodate that. So if SmackDown goes back to Thursdays, or especially Fridays, that might be an issue if they don't want to tape live on Fridays. I find it very hard to believe that apparently Fox is paying them close to a billion dollars to $250 million a year, close to a billion fucking dollars over the course of five years for this, um, you know, for this high-rated show in terms of modern-day ratings and stuff like that, only for it to be taped in advance, like three days in advance. And that was really what hurt SmackDown the first time around. For the first 17 years, it was around because people could read the spoilers and they felt no real need to watch the show. And that was also before the brand split, before the brand split came back and it became a more relevant show again. They had more star power on the show and all this other stuff and things of no actually happened on the blue brand. But not only that, I mean, when it comes to SmackDown now, um, just the show is, is just much better overall because even when we did have the brand split co- close to 10 years ago, it always felt like the B show, and it still is kind of the B show, even though it is the superior brand in two, in, in 2018. Um, SmackDown is in a much better place than it was two, three, ten years ago. So for it to switch networks is not the biggest. Uh, you know, I'm not really upset with that. But when it comes to SmackDown being relevant still and airing live, that's really my biggest concern. Will it continue to air live on whatever day it ends up on? Tuesdays, I think, are good. Thursdays, I think, are great. As long as it's live. If it's not live, that's a fucking problem for SmackDown. So again, this is a lot to worry about in advance, if only because SmackDown is not moving. It would not be moving until late 2019. So there is plenty of time between now and then for this deal to change. And again, nothing is really set in stone. This is really all but confirmed at this point. Um, but with Raw making more money and USA paying more money for, for Raw to stay put on the USA Network, you know, I mean, there were there were rumors of Raw potentially moving to Fox and uh, becoming a two-hour program reportedly because they didn't want a three-hour show, three-hour, um, you know, wrestling show on their network, which makes no sense to me, if only because... So I, I guess the original report from a couple months ago is that if Raw was to move to Fox, along with likely SmackDown... Raw could be cut back to two hours. So, of course, Raw is staying put on Mondays on USA Network. I would imagine that seems to be the most likely possibility. But now there's rumors that SmackDown could be moving to three hours on Fox. So, maybe there was something lost in translation there, or the original report wasn't correct, or this report isn't correct. But I find it very hard to believe that if they got Raw, they would cut that down to two hours. But because they're not getting Raw, they're moving SmackDown to three hours? That seems a bit ass-backwards to me, uh, but that would really hurt SmackDown. Now, I know there's a lot of guys on the blue brand that do not get television time every week just because it's a two-hour show and you can only focus on so many people. I don't know if three hours would solve that issue. I think you can get more people on the show, but a lot like Raw with this week when you have fucking Baron Corbin versus No Way Jose or Elias versus Bobby Roode for the fifth time, a lot of people just don't care. It's just going to get to the point where it's, I mean, I guess more people are getting TV time, but does that really mean anything when the creative is shit? So I would rather have SmackDown stay exactly the way it is right now. That's really what helps SmackDown, what makes SmackDown more bearable than Raw is the fact that it's two hours. And expanding it to three hours, yes, it would make the two brands, you know, it would make the two brands equal in that respect, but they don't really need to be equal in length. If anything, I would say cut Raw down to two hours. 
and find, you know, better ways to utilize your talent without having guys on the show, guys won't be on the show every single week. Utilize your secondary shows better, like Main Event. Main Event is a completely throwaway show, but if they utilize that show better and put people on that show that weren't on Raw, and I'm not talking about just the, the Zack Ryders and the Mojo Rawleys of the world, but if they utilize that show better, you know, then they wouldn't really necessarily need Raw to be a three-hour show. That could be the third hour to Raw. And um, on Raw, instead, you can get the necessary angles with the likes of Roman Reigns and the Seth Rollinses and the Kevin Owenses and stuff like that. Um, but I don't that, that I mean, Raw will not be moving back to two hours anytime soon. I mean, I guess that could happen in the next negotiation period for WWE. When I mean, it's currently going on right now. And when the deal expires in 2019, I doubt that will be the case. It's been the case for the last six years where Raw has been three hours. Not to say that it won't ever go back to being two hours. I just do not expect it to happen anytime soon. I said that then, and I'm going to say it now. My only real fear is that there is a good chance SmackDown can go to three hours if it's switching networks, which I'm hoping isn't the case. So again, keeping SmackDown live, keeping it two hours, to me, is all that's really necessary. So I really hope that remains the case with SmackDown staying two hours. And if it's not on USA, it's not the worst thing. But I would hope that the brand split remains relevant if SmackDown is no longer on the same network as Raw. Because that synergy really helped out Raw and SmackDown a lot in promoting matches and just making it a more cohesive brand split. Making it more consistent with people switching shows every now and again with the Superstar Shakeup and WWE. Knowing what they want from both shows... Um, I'm not sure if that would be the same case if SmackDown was on another network, especially another network that was not under the NBC UN, uh, and the NBC Universal umbrella. So here's hoping that's the case, but only time will tell. Speaking of Raw, though, we will get into my thoughts on Monday Night Show right now. From May 21st, 2018, we kicked off the show with Kurt Angle, promising a number of huge announcements for Money in the Bank and a few other things. I guess we did get those announcements Later on in the show, with the announcement of Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal happening, whoop do fucking do. Um, but really, other than that, we got no major announcements from Angle here whatsoever. So it was kind of a bait and switch. Oh well. Instead, we did get the televised return of Stephanie McMahon, and I came close to changing the channel. I didn't, but I came close. I'm sure other people did follow through with changing the channel, just because this woman is complete uh, channel-changing material on WWE TV. I do not think Stephanie is needed on WWE programming. She's really never been needed, at least not in recent years, but they keep on bringing her back, and she keeps on coming back, so... Oh, well. She basically undermined Kurt Angle by saying that in the contract signing later on in the night between Ronda Rousey and Nia Jax to confirm their championship clash for Money in the Bank next month, she would play the role as mediary, as intermediary... And, um, you know, attempt to stir the pot between Ronda Rousey and Nia Jax. Obviously, she didn't say that, but that was the role she would end up playing in that segment. Um, this was fine. Roman Reigns came out. Kevin Owens came out. Setting up Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens for after the commercial break. Um, a pretty paint-by-numbers opening segment, but just the fact that Stephanie's back at all really does not make me optimistic about this show. Now, if she shows up every now and again, that's fine. Even then, I would really have a Raw without Stephanie. That's really why Raw was so good for such a long period of time from like April of last year up until like October, November was because Stephanie was persona non grata for so fucking long. She did not appear on a single episode of Raw for like six months, which I never thought I would see the day, but you know, and then she came back in the fall and with the Ronda Rousey stuff and all this other shit and it's been uh, just nonstop since then. Obviously, she made her last appearance before this week the night after WrestleMania, but it took all of a fucking month and a half for Stephanie to return to Raw, so I'm not too optimistic about that. Hopefully, this was a one-and-done type deal. I don't think it will be, but Raw does not need Stephanie. No show needs Stephanie McMahon. She does more to harm the program than, than she does to help it, so here's hoping she remains as far away from Raw as possible moving forward. Anyway, the aforementioned match between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens was quite good, they worked quite a bit together, you know, in late 2016, early 2017, when they feuded for months on end over the Universal Championship, always having pretty good matches. This was no exception. Another solid outing from both men. In the end, uh, Jinder Mahal did interfere in predictable fashion, 
causing the disqualification, only for Roman Reigns to be saved by Seth Rollins. Setting up a tag team match right after that commercial break, it was Roman Reigns and Rollins reuniting to take on Owens and Mahal with the former Shield stablemates emerging victorious. In what was a pretty good match, and the crowd was white hot for Seth Rollins. I mean, I said it last week, but this guy is firing in all cylinders right now. He's killing it. So despite the fact the baby faces went over, afterward, uh, Jinder Mahal attacked them both anyway, laying out Reigns and Rollins. Next week, it will be Rollins versus Ginger Mahal for the NXT... For the NXT... Well, I'll talk about that in a second. For the Intercontinental Championship. And the reason why I said NXT is because Rollins and Mahal first clashed for the NXT Championship back in August, I think, of 2012 to determine the inaugural NXT Champion. And in that match, Rollins remained uh, reign supreme and became the inaugural NXT Champion. So, And they had a pretty good match on that show. That was six years ago. I would hope it could be another better match, another good match from them in 2018. We'll see. Obviously, I think Rollins holds on to the championship, uh, but I did like the consistency here with Rollins and Reigns beating Owens and Mahal in tag team action, Mahal attacking Rollins afterward anyway, and then setting up the title match for next week's show. Unfortunately, despite the solid start to Raw this week, um, and it felt phoned in, I kind of got the feeling that it was going to be a phoned in show, and that's exactly what it was, but it went all downhill after the following segment. That saw Sami Zayn bring out Bobby Lashley's sisters. Now, I say that with quotation marks around sisters because obviously these men, th- these men were not um, his sisters. They were men dressed up as women to put on awful performances, awful acting jobs to pretend to be Bobby Lashley's sisters. And as exactly as I had feared, this turned out to be a total train wreck. This was fucking god-awful. So this dragged on and on and on and on and on before Bobby Lashley finally put us out of our misery, came out, laughed in the face of Sami Zayn, and then proceeded to attack before the the heels attacked. Sami Zayn and the sisters attacked Bobby first. And then Bobby retaliated, laid out Sami, and Sami fleed from the ring. And then he laid out the sisters, the imposters as well. And that was the end of the segment, and this was just uh, easily the worst Raw segment I believe I've seen all year. I'm not sure what else would beat this out as the worst segment of 2018 so far in WWE. This was fucking terrible. This was, as I had said in my Raw review when Nashdag asked you some yesterday, this was, this is your life with Bailey and Alexa Bliss last year, levels of bad. That's how bad this shit was. This was terrible, if not worse I'm not even sure what's, what, what purpose this was supposed to serve other than to feud the, uh, further the feud between Sammy and Bobby, which no one really cares to see anyway. So what was really the intent of this entire segment? It was a waste of time. And just uh, awful. It really makes you question when you're watching this type of shit with like fellow fans or with casual fans or people who have no idea what wrestling is. When you're sitting there watching the show with them, and they're questioning why the fuck do you watch this show, and you really don't have an answer for them, that's when you know it's bad TV. Um, so this was a train wreck. I, I really don't know what else to say about it. I know a lot of people were offended by just the acting and just the overall segment. WWE should be embarrassed. It's really what the bottom line here is, is that this company should be embarrassed they ever put this type of shit on their TV. And we make fun of Vince Russo all the time for writing some pretty bad stuff for TNA in his time there, and for WWE, and in WCW, but this was pretty bad. The company themselves, whether it be Vince, the writers, I'm not sure who it is, but they should be ashamed. This ever made it to Raw. This ever made it to national television, because this was absolutely fucking atrocious. Absolutely deplorable. And Raw never really recovered after that. It was was really just uh, kind of coasting from there. Ember Moon and Alexa Bliss did have a good match. I enjoyed their outing. Moon beating Bliss one-on-one in clean fashion is a big boost for her momentum. So I enjoyed that. And she has um, momentum on her side as Money in the Bank approaches. After that, we had Baron Corbin beating No Way Jose to get his win back from a few weeks ago. I guess they're trying to build Baron Corbin back up, which is all fine and dandy. But the guy is... uh, I don't know. You know, the, the thing with Baron Corbin, the curious case of Baron Corbin, uh, just... The guy, I, I still think, can be something for this company. I think he's good. He's not great. He's slightly above average. Maybe not in the ring. I think he has to be carried to a good match, whether it be with AJ Styles or maybe even Dean Ambrose or Seth Rollins or, or whoever. Whoever. 
But I thought the guy was really on quite the roll in late 2016. Even early on in 2017, he won Money in the Bank. He seemed to be destined for big things on SmackDown. And then, of course, he failed to cash in the contract successfully. He lost to Jinder in like 10 fucking seconds. Lost to John Cena. Was basically buried by John Cena at Wrestle at uh, SummerSlam that year. And it was all downhill from there. Now, I know he held the United States Championship for like all of two months. But beyond that... Corbin has really been on a downward on a downward spiral ever since, and uh, ever since that happened, and back in the summer of 2017, it's been almost a year, and the guy has yet to recover, has yet to rebound. Now in the ring again, he's he's okay, but he's nothing special, and his promos when they script them for him are also nothing special. When they booked the guy like a fucking loser with a 50-50 booking, he's losing this match, but he's beating a loser like No Way Jose. I don't know. It's really difficult to take him seriously. And I talked about it, I think, two weeks ago, that Raw really has an issue right now with their heels. They have no credible heels. Um, Baron Corbin can be one of those top guys if they built him back up accordingly. Now, yes, he beat No Way Jose here, but it's going to take a lot more than a win over No Way Jose for fans to take Baron Corbin seriously again. So I hope this is a step in the right direction for the guy. I don't have much hope. Just because every time he seems to be on the cusp of, maybe not greatness, but, you know, on, on the cusp of a real push, they knock him back down a few uh, a few steps. Just because he's not progressing well, or he gets, he gets himself in trouble, I'm not sure if he still has heat backstage, or whatever the reason might be. Baron Corbin just has really nothing going for him right now. So I hope at some point in the not-so-distant future, they'll get their head out of their asses, they'll start using the guy properly. Again, he might not be world champion material, but he can be a nice, credible heel for the Raw brand if they protected him every once in a while and didn't have him get beat every other week. But at least he won here, so there is that. The B team did beat Bruzango with the second straight week. The match was total throwaway, but Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas, who were creating their t-shirts, which was basically a white undershirt with them with, with, with the word B right on the front as they were writing it in as they were walking to the ring, with Sharpies in hand, which that was great. Um, they're, they know they're, they're picking up some steam. I thought the post-match celebration was great. If you allow these guys just to go out there and be themselves and have fun, people will start to realize that, see that, and enjoy themselves as well. And that's obviously the case with these two. Um, I'm not sure how much they're being limited. It doesn't really seem like they're being limited at all. They're just allowed to go out there and just make complete asses of themselves, and people love it. So this was, an, again, another step in the right direction for these two. I do not see them as legit contenders to the Raw Tag Team Championships, which were not even on Raw this week, which I'll talk about with SmackDown as well, because it's been an issue with both brands since right before WrestleMania. Um, but this was good. I like the B-Team. I don't know if they're the next Raw Tag Team Champions. I wouldn't think so. Um, but still, I thought this was all right. I thought this was good. Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey signed the contract for their Raw Women's Championship match at Money in the Bank next month. Um, I thought this was a lot better than I thought it would be especially with Stephanie involved. Again, I really have no desire to see Stephanie on my TV, but she did play the role of, oh, teasing tension between Ronda and Nia very well. I thought she did a great job of that and um, really made the match feel like a big deal. So I thought it was good. Ronda was good in the limited uh, words or you know lines that she had to say. Nia Jax as well. I mean, there have been rumors that Nia Jax might go heel in the Ronda Rousey feud, the Ronda Rousey match with Stephanie siding with Nia and using Nia just as a pawn to get to Ronda. That would be beyond stupid. I really hope they do not do that. I think Nia is much better off in the babyface role, at least for right now, just because just because that seems like who she actually is. So to go back on that by turning her so quickly back into a heel, I feel like would be a mistake. Um, I'm not sure who the Chicago crowd is going to root for when it comes to Ronda and Nia. But I'm interested to find out. The match, I don't think it will be much good. I guess we'll see. But I thought their mic work in the segment was good. I thought they um, really, you know, put forth an intense effort. And again, making the match feel like it means something. Making it feel monumental. Especially with it being Ronda Rousey's first singles match in WWE. So, again, thought this was good. Dolph Ziggler took on Chad Gable after that in a one-on-one outing. Nice little well-wrestled matchup. Dolph Ziggler did pick up the victory. And Drew McIntyre laid out Chad Gable afterward anyway. Um, I like Ziggler and McIntyre. I like McIntyre a lot more than Ziggler. I mentioned it last week, but McIntyre has boatloads of untapped potential. So hopefully it's not long before he breaks off from Dolph and embarks on his own singles path to superstardom. But speaking of Gable, 
I've seen some people toss this idea around where I could see a scenario where Chad Gable reunites with Jason Jordan in the not-so-distant future. Now, Jason Jordan has been cleared to compete for at least a few weeks now. I might have mentioned this here on the show a few weeks ago, um, but I do think Gable and Jordan reuniting could be kind of cool, but only if Chad Gable shows some resistance at first just because he feels like he needs to make a name for himself in singles competition, and also along the lines where Jason Jordan, you know, he kind of abandoned Chad Gable over on SmackDown when he jumped ship to Raw last year and became the son, quote-unquote, Kurt Angle. And, um, I mean, in, in this case, and reuniting with Chad only to turn on him at some point in the not-so-distant future would make him, would solidify him as the heel on the rise, which is what we need right now. But I would also think it's it makes more sense to do Seth Rollins versus Jason Jordan because that was the feud that we had before Jordan got hurt and they have unfinished business and putting the Intercontinental Championship on the line could make that match mean even more than what it would without it. So either idea I'm open to, but I do see Ziggler and McIntyre beating up on Gable and think, hmm, Gable needs a partner. What about Jason Jordan? So we'll see. Um, but I think that is one route they can go in if interested. We had another women's Money in the Bank ladder match qualifier, fatal four-way action between Natalya, uh, the Riot Squad's Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan, and Dana Brooke. Uh, this was a fine match, really not that good, but it was it was passable. I thought it was all right. Uh, Natalya, in predictable fashion, did go over, punching her ticket to Money in the Bank. Now raising the question, will Natalya win? And then pave the way for her cashing in on Ronda, beating her friend, quote-unquote, uh, for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, I could very well see that happening. Natalia is over the top, nice nice and genuinely whatever promo was not so genuine at all. It, it You could very well see through her phony act that Natalia fully plans on beating Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, again, I feel like that would be too predictable, and I also do not want to, I do, also do not want Natalia as Raw Women's Champion. I have zero interest in seeing that. Um, but this was, um, this was okay. Natalia in the ladder match does make sense. Um, but the match itself was, uh, you know, it, it was, it was okay. It was okay. Elias and Bobby Roode faced off for like the fourth or fifth time in recent weeks. Why? I have no fucking idea. Outside of the fact that the company just is devoid of original ideas nowadays. But yes, they did face off again. It was somewhat entertaining at certain points, but largely another boring effort. These two just do not have much chemistry together at all. Elias won in clean fashion, I believe, so at least he's getting back on track. Bobby Roode is already in Money in the Bank, so I thought it was kind of weird for him to lose to someone that is not in the ladder match, but Bobby Roode is already good to go. He's in the ladder match, so it doesn't really matter whether he wins or loses, I guess, in their eyes at this point, even though wins and losses do certainly matter, but whatever. And then in the main event, a babyface versus babyface affair with Finn Balor taking on Braun Strowman after their uh, falling out of sorts on last week's show when they lost to Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. This was a fun main event uh, for a match where the crowd had really no incentive to cheer for either guy. I thought it was a real fun match. Strowman went over after Finn Balor put up uh, uh, in, uh, in a fight of a lifetime against the monster among men down the stretch. But yeah, he, he won clean, Strowman that is, and uh, showed respect to Finn Balor afterwards. So I thought that was a very good way to close out what was honestly an underwhelming show. Not even underwhelming, but just flat out bad. It's not a good show. Um, I thought the opener, or you know, the, the the tag team match that Reigns and Rollins versus Owens and Mahal, the tag or the the the, the contract signing, the main event were all good. Everything else was completely missable, which should not be the case for a three-hour show. To cherry pick two or three things that were pretty good, and then a shit on everything else does not make for a good show. Um, especially when you have the Bobby Lashley sister segment, which was flat out fucking atrocious. That was so bad. So fucking bad. Um, so again, they should be ashamed they ever put that shit on their TV. And hopefully we can move on from that mess. But that was Raw on Monday. Like I mentioned earlier, SmackDown was a vast improvement on Tuesday night. So we had more matches and more members announced for the Money the Bank card, as well as the two ladder matches. We kicked off the night with Miz TV. The Miz hosting Miz TV with a New Day. Um, and this was supposed to allow the New Day to announce which member of their group will be competing in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Now, it's really not that important of a decision. It really does not matter. But based off the fact that the New Day did not reveal that here, it does look like they might be waiting a little longer to reveal that information. They might be waiting until Money in the Bank, the event itself. So anyway, um, they did not say who will be competing in the Money in the Bank ladder match among those three in this segment. But it did turn out to be a decent segment. It did lead to The Miz and Big E after the commercial break. They put together a pretty entertaining outing. The Miz did go over after interference from Sheamus and Cesaro 
setting up a six-man tag team match for next week's show between Sheamus, Cesaro, and The Miz against Big E, uh, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods, The New Day. So, again, uh, good stuff here. I thought it was a good way to protect Big E in defeat. He does have breakout single star potential eventually. I don't know if you can really push him as a serious threat as, as long as he's with The New Day, but he doesn't have to break away from The New Day. Um, I think The New Day, as I've said time and time again, can kind of go their separate ways mutually and reunite when needed. So I think Big E as a future world champion. I said it back in 2014. I think it can happen. I still think it can happen because the guy is good enough in the ring. He's got the charisma. Really, he has the appearance of a world champion. He can be a big deal, no pun intended, if they play their cards right with him and they don't mess it up when he eventually branches off in a singles competition. But that was good. We had our first of two women's Money in the Bank ladder match qualifiers on the show. First one saw Lana take on Billy Kay. This was really not much of a match at all. Um, so Billy Kay was attacked out on the outside by, I don't even know, I don't even really remember. Something happened where her and Peyton Royce were distracted. They got thrown into the ring, I think by Lana. I'm not exactly sure, I don't remember. But either way, Billy Kay got tossed into the ring. Bell rings, Lana beats her with a sit-out face buster, and she punches her ticket as well to the Money in the Bank ladder match in Chicago. So, I do kind of like the fact that Lana and Rusev have this thing going where they might become the first Mr. and Mrs. Money in the Bank. I kind of like that gimmick, but Lana in a ladder match genuinely terrifies me. That is scary as shit. Um, just because she's really not that good. I'm glad they kept this as short as sweet as possible, but she sucks. I said that last year, and I'm going to say it again now. She really has not improved all that much at all. Um... I mean, the crowd loved this. The, the crowd was chanting Lana Day after she won, and they were going crazy for her, but in the ring, she leaves a lot to be desired. Maybe even more so than even Marie back in the day a few years ago, but this was, uh, this really was not that good at all. Um, but at least Lana, you know, she advanced. The, the Iconics don't really have much going for them right now, so I'm not angry that Billy did not advance, so we'll see, but uh, Lana, by all means, should not win. The Money in the Bank ladder match. I would, I, I think that would go without saying, but I do want to reiterate that here. After that, Andrade Cien Almas returned to action on SmackDown against another local athlete, beating, beating him with ease. Uh, Zelina Vega did say before the match that if they do not get the competition that Almas believes he deserves, they will simply take it and take matters into their own hands. So that did not happen on this show, but I could certainly see a situation where Almas ends up in a U.S. Championship match with Jeff Hardy and Money in the Bank. Um, but I thought this was good, though. Another great outing from Andrade. I talked about him last week where the guy is just a bona fide star and he can really be a big deal if they want him to be. So I have high hopes for Andrade San Alamos on SmackDown. Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles interacted to allow Nakamura to announce the stipulation for their WWE Championship match at Money in the Bank. And sure enough, drum roll, please. It's going to be a last man standing match. So... I'm looking forward to the match because I think Nakamura and Styles can make the most of the stipulation and have a really exciting match. I'm not the biggest fan of the stipulation in general because it does tend to be boring more often than not, but if any two guys can make a last man standing match compelling, entertaining, engaging, it's Nakamura and Styles. That being said, after the last two matches had some pretty disappointing finishes between the draw at Backlash and the double countout at the Greatest Royal Rumble... Um, this match is another infamous type of matchup where it can end in a draw, and it has ended in a draw in the past. I would think they might have another match up their sleeve planned for the July pay-per-view, which is fine. It is Extreme Rules after all. How do you drag out a feud for so long but not blow it off at Extreme Rules? Um, I think it's Extreme Rules. I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it's Extreme Rules. Anyway, um, I just really, 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 really hope that it does not end in a fucking draw. Again. That would be beyond lazy. And people are already getting sick of this feud, so to test their patience by doing another fucking draw without another conclusive winner would be beyond stupid. Would be very mind-boggling, but not completely out of the realm of possibility for this company. But anyway, I do like the stipulation. Uh, Nakamura went on to attack AJ Styles, laying him out at ringside, so I like the intensity from Nakamura here. I like that he has more levels and more depths, more... um layers to his character other than just low-blowing AJ Styles. So I do like that, and um, I just like their interaction overall here. One of the better segments featuring AJ Nakamura in recent memory. We had a SmackDown Tag Team title number one contenders match between the Usos and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. 
So the Usos have lost to the Bludgeon Brothers like two or three times at this point. It was time to move on. They've been destroyed at every turn. It was time to move on. I love the Usos, but um, it was it was necessary for Anderson and Gallows to move into that spot and earn the right to face the Bludgeon Brothers and Money in the Bank for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Now, I don't think they'll win, but it is cool to see something of a fresh match at the pay-per-view. Now, as I mentioned on Raw for this week, we had a B-Team versus Brazongo match and maybe some other tag team match. I'm not, I, I mean, we had a few other tag team matches, but not really much to do with the Raw tag team division. Now, here's the issue. WWE, based off what I've seen on SmackDown recently, as well as what I've seen on Raw, in the rumors I've seen people bring up on Twitter and on social media just in general, that Raw is completely neglecting, WWE is completely neglecting its tag team divisions, both on Raw and SmackDown. Real quick look at Raw. So we've had, you know, the Deleters of Worlds on Raw most weeks since they won the tag team titles, and they're great, they're entertaining. They were nowhere to be seen on Raw this week. On a three-hour show, you can't fit in a quick segment with the fucking Raw Tag Team Champions. That is completely inexcusable. It doesn't have to be a match. I really have no desire to see Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt, or Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, or that too. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt versus the fucking Ascension again, or versus the B-Team again, or the Revival again. But you can work around it by doing something from Matt Hardy's house, and then airing that for the next 30, 62 minutes, 60 seconds to two minutes. You know, it doesn't really, doesn't take up that much time. It really does not take that much effort to come up with something creative for these guys to do on the show. It would be, you know, it would be um, disappointing enough if they weren't on the show, but they're the fucking tag team champions, and they were nowhere to be seen on Raw. Matt Hardy wished... Bray Wyatt's Vessel, a happy birthday on YouTube after Raw this week. But beyond that, that was it. No sign of either one of them on Raw. SmackDown, it's still the same issue. And also on Raw, too, the Authors of Pain got called up for apparently no reason. They've had like two or three matches, and that was it. And we have not seen them in like a month. So that's that. Uh, SmackDown is not much better. The Bludgeon Brothers were on quite the roll. They still are. But they won the belts at WrestleMania. They successfully retained the titles at the Greatest Royal Rumble event, and that was it. They've had some promos in recent weeks, but they have yet to wrestle or appear in front of the live crowd, and that was a fucking month ago. The Greatest Royal Rumble was a month ago. So that really is inexcusable. We have that. Sanity should be coming soon, which is cool, but still. I mean, they do have a tag team feud going between the bar and the New Day, so I appreciate that. But this match that took place on Tuesday between Gallows and Anderson and the Usos, neither team got entrances. They had mic time before the match, thank God, which I was shocked by. But their entrances weren't even televised. And at one point, the Usos were the hottest act on all of SmackDown, maybe even the entire company. But they have quickly cooled off since they lost the tag titles at WrestleMania and the Bludgeon Brothers have been nowhere seen have been nowhere to be seen on the show ever since. And I like the Bludgeon Brothers. I like Harper. I like Rowan together. But it's like, woof. If they don't have any idea of what to do with these tag teams, then it's pretty clear that the tag team focus should be given to another party, whether it be another writer or Triple H or whoever. A lot like Triple H took over the Cruiserweight division for 205 Live and made the show much more musty than it has ever been before, he should try to do the same thing with the tag teams. Because currently, no one gives a shit about tag team wrestling in either Raw or SmackDown because the revival's being wasted, the authors of pain are nowhere to be seen, Sanity has yet to debut... Uh, Gallows and Anderson have been marginalized for months. The Usos have been off TV for well over a month. The tag team champions are never on the fucking shows. So really, is it that much of a stretch to say the tag team wrestling is in a pretty bad state right now? I don't think so. But WWE should be making tag team wrestling more of a priority. And hopefully handing the reins over to Triple H could solve that issue. Otherwise, they're just wasting away some pretty talented tag teams by not even featuring them on the shows. Anyway, going back to SmackDown, we had another... Women's Money in the Bank ladder match qualifier between Naomi and Sonya Deville. So I guess Sonya was not pinned in that triple threat last week. It was Mandy Rose tapping out to Becky Lynch, which is why I guess she got another shot to qualify. I don't really know. But Sonya and Mandy were back on the same page. Mandy was in the in the corner for Sonya um, on SmackDown this week. So I guess they, they're still friends, despite the fact they went at each other in last week's triple threat match. But Naomi did beat Sonya. This really was not that good of a match. Sonya is still a work in progress. It was fine. But Naomi, I felt, was the right decision to move on. Uh, she is, you know, she's competed in uh, the, the, the two original women's Money in the Bank ladder matches in 2017. We had the one at Money in the Bank and then the rematch on SmackDown. So it's cool that she's also a lot like Natalia competing in both matches. And Charlotte, too. 
Um, you know, and, and she's good. I think she can thrive in a ladder match. I don't think Naomi should win. She won that Battle Royal at WrestleMania, which really meant nothing. She's hardly been on TV since then. Um, but still, I, I think she's a good addition to the to an already stacked women's money to make ladder match. And speaking of which, we will get the final spot determined on next week's Raw and a gauntlet match between those that have not yet qualified. So I think it features Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Dana Brooke. Maybe somebody else. Alexa, Mickey James, I think. Mickey James. So a seven-woman gauntlet match to determine um, who else will join those women in the women's Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania. Or <laughs> WrestleMania. Fucking Money in the Bank. And then our main event. We had Daniel Bryan taking on Jeff Hardy for the first time ever to determine who will be facing Samoa Joe on next week's show to determine who will then qualify for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, so I guess the match that was supposed to happen on, on SmackDown this week was Samoa Joe versus Big Cass. But Big Cass got injured at some live event. No one heard about this at all until Monday. No one really knew about it. I would assume no one really cared. I would assume Big Cass was losing anyway, so who really gave a shit about that? But we were treated to a great main event between Brian and Jeff Hardy. Brian went over in clean fashion, forcing Jeff to tap out, which never happens. I don't know if I've ever seen Jeff Hardy tap out. I'm sure it's happened before, but you rarely ever see that with him. But a really, really fun match. And afterwards, Samoa Joe confronted Brian, got in his face, and basically set the stage for their encounter on next week's show. Now, Brian and Joe have not faced off one-on-one until, you know, since the Ring of Honor days, close to 10, 15 years ago. So it should be really interesting to see them in the same ring next week. Hopefully they have the time to put on a great match, but I did enjoy this week's main event as well between Brian and Jeff Hardy. So SmackDown is in a pretty good spot right now. I'm enjoying what they're doing for the most part. Uh, Raw, not so much. But SmackDown, I thought, did a great job of setting the stage for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view between the ladder matches, the tag team title match, the women's match, uh, women's ladder match, the men's ladder match, the WWE Championship match, and possibly planting the seeds for a few other matches as well, like the New Day versus Sheamus and Cesaro, or Chad Gable and maybe even Jason Jordan versus Ziggler and McIntyre. So um, I'm liking how the Money in the Bank card is coming together. And like I said, I will be there. So I'm looking forward to being there in Chicago for Money in the Bank. Hopefully it's a good show. And if nothing else, I'll be a takeover too. And we always know those shows are amazing. So I'm looking forward to both shows taking place next month and being there for both events. And real quickly, before we sign off, I'm not going the full hour today. Um, I did mention that at the start of the show that that might be a possibility. But even more so than last week, there really is not much to talk about. Um, in WWE this past week. But real quickly on the 205 Live front, another good show from the Cruiserweights on Tuesday night. Kicking off the show, we had Drew Gulak taking on Grand Metallic. Very well-wrestled match. A nice clash of styles. Gulak has been killing it since becoming more intense and more aggressive a few weeks back at the reboot of the Cruiserweight division. He's not really doing the PowerPoint stuff as much anymore, which is fine because in this role, the guy's great. Um, but I enjoyed this. Gulak did go over in clean fashion. The Lucha House Party's been winning more matches than I can count in recent months, so them losing here really is not that big of a deal. Um, but Gulak needed the win. I'm glad, he, uh, I'm glad he emerged victorious here. After that, TJP was in action, beating some job guy named Christopher Guy, obviously winning within a matter of minutes. Um, a nice showcase for the inaugural WWE Cruiserweight Champion. It is worth noting, though, that before the bout, as well as during and after the bout, the commentators were talking about how TJP wants to switch shows. Now, this is nothing new. TJP has been saying this for a long time now, for many, many months. Now they're just starting to incorporate it into the storyline, into TV. Basically, TJP has been going on social media, on Instagram, on YouTube, and saying that he wants a shot at the Intercontinental Championship. He wants a real shot on the Monday Night Raw roster. Probably realizing that, as a shoot, he's not going anywhere on 205 Live. The guy had his time early on when the division was launched in 2016. He had, you know, some decent success as a heel last year in aligning with Neville. After losing to Neville and failing to regain the Cruiserweight Championship, he has gone nowhere since then. So he probably realizes, hey, I might have a better shot of succeeding on the main roster on either Raw or SmackDown. He did went on, he did go on Twitter saying to Paige publicly, I want a shot of the blue brand. I want an opportunity in the land of opportunity. I'm on Tuesdays anyway, so you might as well bring me on over. I don't think that'll happen, but it is a cool little storyline. And it, even still, I mean, the guy could benefit from a change in scenery, but TJP, the guy's good, but he would flounder beyond belief on Raw or even SmackDown. The guy is very capable of holding his own, 
But there are a number of other people I would rather see in the heavyweight division, so to speak, on either Raw or SmackDown before TJP. I'm sorry, that, that's just the truth. Hideo Itami, Akira Tozawa, Cedric Alexander, even Mustafa Ali, even Kalisto would go back to heavyweights before TJP would get his shot. I don't know, I just think TJP would be nothing more than a fucking Zack Ryder on either Raw or SmackDown if he was to ever move out of the Cruiserweight division, so... Uh, it, it is a nice little storyline, though, to play up the idea that, oh, I'm being overlooked, I deserve more, blah, blah, blah. I also feel that to shoot, but the guy has nothing to lose at this point, so why not? Vic Joseph then sat down with WWE Cruiserweight Champion Cedric Alexander, discussed his upcoming title defense against Buddy Murphy on next week's show in Cedric Alexander's hometown in his native North Carolina. So I don't know if he's actually from Raleigh, North Carolina, or if he's from Cameron, I'm not exactly sure, but he is from North Carolina, so... It will be a homecoming of sorts for the Cruiserweight Champion. I'm looking forward to that match, and I will get 205 Live credit. They've done a great job of building towards that bout and, and announcing it three weeks in advance and building it up via the video packages and giving Buddy Murphy a string of credible victories. They've done a great job of making people care about this contest, about making people care about this upcoming championship clash. I don't know if Buddy Murphy will win. I don't think he should win. I think it's too early to take that title off of Cedric Alexander. Um, but this sit-down interview was great. Alexander comes across as very likable, as a genuinely likable person and relatable person. So I like that about his character. In the ring, the guy is second to none, which obviously goes without saying. And Buddy Murphy, the same thing. So I just wanted to note that, that the build to the belt has been very well done. Um, and I am looking forward to Alexander versus Murphy on next week's show. And then to the main event of this week's episode, we had Hideo Tommy taking on Akira Tozawa. In a clash of former tag team partners, Tommy said in a video package before the match, I never needed a partner. I thought it was a dumb idea. I am a day with Tommy. Show me, your, uh, show me some respect. You know, kind of taking on the same character that he had at the tail end of his NXT tenure where he turned heel. And I thought he was a really, really damn good heel. I thought he was a great heel. And he was much more aggressive and fun to watch. Um, if we get that Hideo Itami in 205 Live, I think the guy can be champion in no time. A lot like Neville when he turned heel. On, on 205 Live, on the Cruiserweight Division, in the Cruiserweight Division, uh, two years back, and really reignited his career. Uh, I think Hideo Itami can follow in his footsteps. So I think this. I thought this was a great match. I thoroughly enjoyed this. They worked very well together. Itami picked up the clean victory, which was for the best. And hopefully Itami can now build to some, you know, can start to build some momentum. He's been floundering for the better part of the last number of months on 205 Live. I mean, that was really his last shot at superstardom. He was another guy that was not going anywhere fast in the next day, so they might as well have called him up, and they did, but he does deserve better even in the Cruiserweight division. Uh, but I thought this was a good show, and I did mention Neville. I do want to mention this real quick, that I saw some update on Neville, like not too long ago, like a week ago or so, that said that Neville has since moved back to the UK, like a number of months ago. He's married, I guess, or has a girlfriend or something, and then she had posted on her Instagram that she was also moving to the UK, so it's pretty clear-cut that he's no longer living in Florida. He's moved on back across the pond, as WWE would say, um, and that all but confirms that he's not coming back to WWE, unless something is worked out, but at this point, I feel like you couldn't even say, hey, you want to come on back to the heavyweight division on Raw or SmackDown, because you're basically rewarding the guy for walking out, even though he had his reasons I don't know if that's the best message to be sending. Because it basically says to everyone on the roster, hey, if you want to be pushed, but you might as well fucking walk out and we'll push you when you come back. So I'm not sure if they should even be doing that. But they are letting go of a really, 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 really good talent in Neville if he, uh, if he does end up leaving, which I'm sure he will at some point when his contract expires, whether it be later this year or in 2020. He's been sitting out on the sidelines now for like eight months, which is really a waste because the guy's so good when he could be doing great things either in WWE or elsewhere. But, oh well, um, I do miss Neville. I will miss Neville when he eventually leaves the company. But I did want to offer an update on Neville because he's been uh, persona non grata since like September. So I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, hopefully he's doing well. I mean, I would assume so now that he's no longer frustrated within the confines of the company. Um, but hopefully it's not too long before they do let him go and he can go on to Ring of Honor or New Japan or the UK wrestling scene or whatever and hone his craft over there. So that does it for this week's WrestleRant Radio. As I promised you guys, we will not be going the full hour here today just because there's really not a ton to talk about. I did enjoy SmackDown. 205 Live was good on Tuesday. Raw, not so much. But hopefully next week brings better programming. With the Memorial Day episode, I'm not too, too faithful just because they don't always put forth their best effort on the holiday shows. 
But we'll see. I mean, the last two weeks have not been great, but I do have hope that the Money in the Bank card, with it coming together and it becoming stronger by each passing week, will start to fall into a nice little rhythm for themselves on both Raw and SmackDown and producing some quality shows. At least SmackDown's on the right on the right path right now. Raw, not so much. But um, we already talked about the SmackDown moving to Fox thing. Really, beyond that, there was not a lot happening in WWE over the last seven days. Even in other promotions, Impact's doing well, Ring of Honor's doing well. Like I mentioned, I will be at the Ring of Honor TV taping next Saturday on my birthday in the Manhattan Center for their national TV taping. That should be great, but I'll talk more about that in two weeks' time here on the show. Uh, I am scheduling some more guests. If you are interested in coming on WrestleRant Radio to help me break down the week in WWE, do pay-per-view predictions for a pay-per-view coming up like Money in the Bank or review a pay-per-view or what have you, Always taking suggestions, always taking invitations. You're always invited to join me on WrestleRant Radio right here on NextDayWrestling.net as well as on iTunes. And speaking of which, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes by simply searching up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. And as I mentioned earlier, you guys not only get the new episodes, all the current content every single Thursday, it immediately downloads to your phone, by the way, or streaming device, whatever, but you also get all the archived content dating back to October of 2013, since the start of WrestleRant Radio. So don't pass up on that opportunity. It is now easier than ever to listen and binge WrestleRant Radio. So be sure to do that on iTunes. And next, wrestling.net is, is fine as well. It's another decent outlet to check out the show. Um, my Raw reviews are up there. My SmackDown reviews are up there. NXT, Impact, Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground when it comes back next month, which, as I've said time and time again, it could not come any quicker. Super excited to be back at the Temple or wherever they're filming this season. I know it's not at the Temple, but elsewhere in California should be a great time. When that returns to the L Right Network, I believe on June 13th. But uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff coming up down the pike between the Ring of Honor taping next month and two weeks. Uh, going to Money in the Bank in a month's time for TakeOver Chicago and Money in the Bank that Sunday for Money in the Bank weekend. Should be great. Likely going to TakeOver in Brooklyn to kind of end off the summer. Also looking to go to a Northeast Wrestling Show in early August where Renee Young's going to be there, Corey Graves, Billy Gunn, and a number of others. So it should be a great time. Rey Mysterio. So I'm looking forward to being there for that as well. So... All that being said, guys, last but certainly not least, be sure to find me on the socials. Tweet me and follow me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook as well, like the page at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews. And find me on YouTube. Subscribe to my channel there at youtube.com backslash you or backslash C, excuse me, uh, backslash graham.gsm.matthews. So once again, youtube.com backslash C backslash graham.gsm.matthews. So... Anyway, guys, thank you for checking out the show. As always, I appreciate your time and support of WrestleRant Radio and everything else I do. I am celebrating eight years as a featured columnist for Bleach Report this coming Sunday. Amazing to think it's been that long. I've been writing about wrestling for Bleach Report and other websites from what culture to hidden remote. Some other cool things coming up down the pike in the coming weeks and months, so stay tuned for that. Until next time, folks, I'm Graham Giusa Matthews. Enjoy the rest of your week slash weekend, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Now,